Well, you look at that. We're back. We did it. We're here and we're talking Valorant. Welcome one, welcome all to our ESPN Esports Valorant show, making its triumphant return here on Twitch and YouTube. Arda, Tyler, Emily, and Jacob with you. We've missed you. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We know that it was mutual. You missed us too. We saw all of your tweets and your DMs and your pigeon carriers and your snail mail. We saw it all. We know that you wanted Valorant talk here on ESPN Esports, and now we're going to give you some. We're going to catch you up on everything that has happened since the last ESPN Esports Valorant show. The first thing I want to mention is don't worry. We're not going anywhere. We will be back. We will be back. There is a little small regional tournament that we've been focusing on. It's called Worlds. We're going to get through that. But don't worry. We will be back. We are back, in fact. And you can look forward to more episodes of The Valorant Show. Just keep it locked on Twitter for more announcements at ESPN underscore esports. Well, we should probably start, Emily, with the patch notes. We should probably start with what's new in the game. We got a new agent. We got a new map. It's cold. It's freezing. We have an Australian agent that you can control blinding and you can control many other things with Sky. She she has animals. Yeah, she has like animal friends. What do you make of the map? um, So Sky is like, you know how like forever ago, like it seems like years ago. It was actually only a few months ago. But I was tracking the evolution of Sageless comps and... Now, that's not even a thing, right? Because Sage uh, is no longer popular whatsoever. But the question back then was going to be, when we introduce a new agent that can heal, how is that going to work out with how drastically they continue to nerf Sage? And I think the thing that I'm looking forward to, or not forward to, but the thing I want to keep an eye on with Sky is whether they decide to try to rebalance sage in the process after sky releases because i mean she has a lot uh the the big thing that i was surprised when they first released her thing is the is the flashbang i was like okay she does all of this other stuff plus um i mean it's not it's still not uh as good as other agents but like she has a flashbang she heals she has like uh, the the like limited sight thing, which is super huge. She does a lot. Uh, so, you know, of of the agents we've seen released post, like the initial release, she's the one that I have been concerned about the most, I guess, because her her kit seems a little bit not as cohesive and but also she's doing a lot of things right mm-hmm. um which is sometimes really difficult to balance and you know she she affects vision she can heal um she uh, has the flashbang like it's just it's a lot it's a lot so i'm wondering I'm, if it's like the I'm best confused. of everybody's agents right <laughs> like tyler what do you think like is this like the best of the abilities of the agents across the board yeah, I mean, I, I played a bit of uh, Sky uh, Full Transparency. I was invited to uh, Riot pre, pre-event pre for this act nice. where I got to play Icebox and Sky a bit early. So I played her for a day or two. She, I mean, I think it's a th- it's very similar to Killjoy, right? When we saw Killjoy, it was a thing of like, oh my god, it's Cypher and Ray's had a baby. Oh my god. This is gonna take over Cipher comps. And we have seen we have we have seen Killjoy kind of push Cipher out in some compositions on some maps. Uh, I don't think Sky's gonna come in and just kind of whack Sova out of the meta. I think a lot of people see her as like a Sova kind of Sova Sage hybrid. 
if you're mm. gonna look at it, it just as like the most like basic on paper look at her look at her abilities and kind of compare the two i don't think she's going to take sova's uh prominent place in the meta just with how good his scouting is is from his arrows he's an all-around agent where you can not only play defensively but he's also great for scouting he's also great on attack with his ultimate and some of his shot you know shot card abilities where again this is a much more i would say reserve sova where she's a lot more you have to play around the team for sky to work she is a champion she's the anti uh, Reyna, where Reyna is a, you know, 1v9 agent where you can win a game just off Reyna alone, where Arena can just mow through the competition. Sky is an agent where if it's 1v9, she's going to get gobbled up and look like a fool. So she needs perfect team coordination. So I do think we're going to see Sky, especially in this, like, uh, kind of new uh, esports world where we're seeing a lot like South Korean teams play a lot more ability-based. We've seen Sinatra, mm -hmm. especially in North America, focus on how important abilities are i think as the game has gone along we've gone away from this being just a csgo clone and teams being able just just to play csgo with a few abilities thrown in to how important ability stacking ability comboing really is and i think for for teams who can play around abilities for teams who can play a very coordinated style and who really do play more around you know the ult usage than just pure up CSGO, I do think Sky is an agent that could uh, really help them going into the first strike tournament. So I think she adds another wrinkle into the already, you know, bubbling pot that is the Valorant meta. So uh, I, I think she's going to be she's going to be good at it. I don't think there's anything fully broken on her kit. So unlike Killjoy and her mollies and her ult, which were, you know, disputed when we really brought her up for the first time, I think Sky is going to be a subtle addition that really does overall help the, the growth of the uh, the arsenal that we have in the Valorant agent pool. Yeah, I mean, she feels like an agent who, to your point, works will work very well in competitive Valorant and at the highest levels, but will not work so well if you're a lower mm -hmm. ELO player uh, who's trying to like climb climb ladder. I think that like she, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of agents and characters and champions like that in other games like League and Overwatch where like they're very team reliant. Um, not to say that she's bad. Like I, I do think that like as long as you, she's a she's very setup reliant. Like as long as you like uh play together and play around her abilities and her cooldowns. Like I think that 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 is where she thrives. Um, and I think that we will see her in competitive because of that. Um, my biggest question is they've started to add more agents and and are adding agents like this is like are we uh, Valorant so far has been a lot of like play whatever you're best at as an individual player, like your suited play style, right? Like, um, and I think that we're going to start moving in as the game like matures and gets older, we're going to start moving into a comp driven type game where like composition actually does matter. We're pairing certain agents with one another matters more than it did. And I think the only time we've really ever seen that was when like breach was the best character in the game uh and you had like the breach sage uh cypher comps where like it did, was sort of synergistic um but i do think that we're we're slowly maturing as a game uh and and obviously tournaments are not as as frequent right now to like have the data for this but i think we are change the game is changing where it will become more like oh we're going to pick this because we also have this and you're going to start picking things in pairs um or or in threes so we have a new agent. We also have a new map. It's called Icebox. Uh, Emily, it gives me... I, I was playing around in it this morning. It gives me some shipment vibes, I'm not going to lie. 
uh, the look of it, but also the close quarters. Very close quarters. So yeah. I'm, I'm like... <laughs> if you're a Call of Duty fan, shit, man. That's... <laughs> I, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be really interesting because I feel like more so... And I'm not even saying this is good or bad because full disclosure, I have not had time to play it. I've just, I'm just going by what I've seen from other people. Um, like, I think the, the big thing with this is actually to piggyback on something Jacob was just talking about with composition. Um, we're seeing the evolution of teams figure out how to use abilities more, how to use abilities in tandem with other agents abilities on the same team and the evolution of how we're actually constructing full compositions that's going to i think start getting more specified map for map and this map specifically i think is a lot different than anything else we've seen from valorant thus far um because it seems like there's so many things in your way like you don't have the you don't seem to and you uh tyler can correct me if i'm wrong because i assume he's also played it uh if he was invited to test it out previously you don't have as long sight lines as you've seen from other valorant apps and it's it seems like it's going to be a map where uh like flashes and smokes are going to be like super super important and vision's going to be super super important because you have a lot of really tight sight lines that are going to vary wildly depending on the way that you're actually entering a site. Sorry, Jacob. I realize this is not really telling you much, but yeah, no, no, no. no. I, I, so I, I, I've played Icebox a bit in the pre, the pre-event, and now that it is in the unrated category, uh, you know, it, it getting worked on until we get to mm-hmm. its competitive debut in about a week's time. Uh, I like the map. It's it's very much like. Oh, Ascent. We were going to give you Ascent, and then everyone's going to hate Ascent, who doesn't know how to use an operator, <laughs> and it's so, the mid is so huge, the sight lanes are so clear, uh, you get sniped, you're, you're walking around the mid, you just get sniped out of nowhere, it's very annoying. So they're just like, we're going to give you this map where it's all close quarters, the verticality is insane, we're going to throw random boxes just randomly everywhere. Uh, I think one of the things about the one of the negatives about Icebox is there's a few too much of those random boxes where it just does mm. kind of feel where it just kind of feels like they just threw a, a box in there just to be, you know, to make it a bit more wacky and a bit more, you know, close quarters and have a bit more edge to it. I think the verticality of the Mac is fun. The zip lines on a site do make it uh, an interesting bomb site or, you know, spike site, whatever you want to say. Sorry, right? I know you don't like the word bomb. Uh, I think overall it's a fun map. I like it. There's a lot of skirmishes. You get a lot of wacky plays out of it just because of the verticality of the map. You're able to plant the spike on either the bomb side or the top side, uh, depending where you are. Uh, it, it leads for a lot of moments where it, there's a lot of chaos. It is a very chaotic map where it, Ascent is very easy to set up with mm. you know, smokes. I, I guess rushing Ascent is a bit more chaotic when you're you're full on five rushing in using you know flashes to get onto either A or B. But I think this is a lot more chaotic just overall around. There's a lot of places to hide, a lot of places to you know kind of be out of vision where it's not the best operating uh, a map there is in the game. Obviously, with just kind of how they set this map up. So this map was created to build on chaos and and skirmishes, which is what the developers told us in the. Uh, pre-act event or, or preview so i think it, the job it, they've done they completed their job where it is going to be a lot more of a chaotic map a lot more skirmishing a lot more you know rifle play than pure operator style what we see on a sense uh in haven so on that 
on that degree, good job. I still think there's a few too much random boxes here and there, and I've, I've talked to a few pros and and, and players, uh, pros and uh, coaches who feel the same. But overall, I think it's it's a it's a fun map. I, I know some pros some pros don't like. It. I know Kiko's been iffy on it, but overall, it's a it's a well added addition. I will always take a meh or or maybe not the greatest map over not having a map at all. Jacob, I know you're a big Apex Legends guy grinding to plat uh, in the past. Uh, what do you make of the repelling and the verticality and the zip lining aspect of this map? It feels a little weird, to be honest. Um, you know, I think Riot is like trying to find a way to separate their game from Counter-Strike without separating it too much. And I know we're going to dive into this a little bit in the show. They have a lot of benefits from being Counter-Strike adjacent in terms of the player base and teams wanting to invest in it, etc. Um, but I do think that they don't want to just be like Counter-Strike 2.0 with, with more, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, like softer, less uh, war-themed graphics, right? Like, that that's the not what they're setting out to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, And, and I think that they're trying... Icebox, to me feels like they're like kind of pushing their limits, right? Like they're trying to see how far they can go with with all these various different boxes and everything. Because like if you look at just like a map of the thing and not the actual like running through it and we're doing a walkthrough, it that map is actually really similar to Dust 2. However, because of all the boxes and everything else, it's not because you you don't have uh you do not have all the line of sights, particularly for operators, like you do on Dust 2, um, because they are a, a blocked by other different objects. So, uh, to me, like it does feel like with the the grab or with the zip lines and everything else, they are trying to like figure out more of their identity. It, I think right now, like with the tournaments being, uh, with tournaments kind of being a little bit on hold. I know we do have first strike, but without with the ignition series passing now and now moving into something else. Um, I think that they feel like they've done a lot. I feel like Valorant's done a lot of testing the last couple of months as things have mm -hmm. been a little bit more quiet in favor of League of Legends in terms of like, what can we change here that would make a minor but noticeable difference? Um, and what can we add here that would like really change the way people play our game? Um, and I think that may be why you're hearing some of the feedback about uh, from various players, particularly ex counter Strike players, because this map, Icebox, is the one that feels least like Counter-Strike of, of them all. Um, and it feels like a COD map, like, yeah. like Arda said. It feels like a re like, uh, it feels like a respawn map, that's what I want to say. Like, it feels like a map that you'd be able to play an FPS where you're constantly respawning in different mm. areas. That's what it yeah. reminds me of the most. Mm. Yeah, and, and in that regard, like, I feel like they are trying to form their own identity as they create more assets. Because you got to think about it, right? Like, when Valorant first came out, it was a really bare-bones game. Mm. Like, it really yeah. was. Like, three maps, a very limited agent pool, right? Like, very... They, if you had the same play style, like, there wasn't a lot of overlap if if somebody else picked your agent, right? If you're a Lilio player and you have to pick something else, like your main. Um, so I think they're, like, now trying to expand and say, like, where do we go from here? You know, like, they're past the initial hype. They are now trying to, like, develop what they're their game looks like um and i think that that that's spilling into agent and map creation and that's particularly noticeable with icebox
So Icebox is in unranked right now. It's coming to competitive on October 22nd. Speaking of competitive, we'll get to the latest tournament in a second. But let's talk about the changes that have happened in competitive. First of all, uh, your queue range has decreased. So uh, Tyler and I cannot queue together anymore because he oh, is in Silverland and I'm down in iron. So I I'm can't up, play I'm with Tyler anymore. Gold. I'm getting close to gold, Arda. I'm close to gold. <laughs> I'm, I'm we, about to strike that 49 See you gold later area. up there. I'll just look up like this and be nice. like, See you, buddy. Goodbye. So long. Have, it was have fun, fun down. The, have fun down the iron mines, Arda. Have fun <laughs> in the iron mines. I'm going gold digging. Oh my gosh. So you can't. It's only three ranges. So I, as an iron one, for example, can only key with a bronze one, etc. As opposed Feels to bad, being man. six. Feels bad, Feels man. Bad. Indeed. Kills our entire like friend group. Pretty it's much over. crushes it. It's, it's over. over. I'm gonna it's have over. to grind harder. That's what I'm gonna yeah. have to do. Uh, Immortal and Radiant ranks now only judge you based on wins and losses outcome instead of personal performance. Like the it. big thing here that I absolutely love, and I think it's going to be a massive change to how people are scouted, obviously because it got infinitely easier, is the addition of leaderboards. And oh, we have seen, God. right? I mean, yeah. Thank God. This deserves a yeah. Well, so, no, no, don't give it. It's not even done. It's it's a random one-off. Like, let them actually yeah. implement it first, then we'll clap them. Like, well, I just want to say, though, can I just very quickly. so long. <laughs> right. Can I just say, though, the two tweets that they did put out, the leaderboards for NA and EU, I love, that was the perfect example to me of exactly what to look forward to. In NA, TENS yeah. is number one. Tyler calls him LaTENS James for a reason. Yeah. He's the Latenz best player James, in the right? game. This is not surprising to anyone right i love that that's the case and then you see a lot of the familiar faces in the top 50 and we're going to see some new names emerge it's awesome then you look at the eu board and number one is a guy that you've never heard of before <laughs> and i absolutely love that because then g2 starts interacting with him on twitter and all of a sudden he's getting looked at by major yeah. organizations so this is like a perfect dichotomy a perfect example jacob of like exactly why leaderboards are successful I mean, that, I feel like that's the stereotypical European story, though, is that, like, uh, North America likes to recycle talent from other games, and here's this random person. Like, we already said this was going to happen, right? Like, we said, like, in in five years from now, the best player, uh, best Valorant player will be someone you never heard of, right? Like, they won't probably, they won't be from another game. They will be someone who organically grew up in this game and, and developed themselves in this game from scratch. And I feel like that's we're already starting to see the tea leaves of that, particularly in Europe, because it's less solidified as a as a region competitively. Um, uh, whereas North America, I feel like, yeah, let's recycle some Counter Strike players, and uh, and that's worked fairly well uh, in some cases, and not so well in others. Um, but yeah, I, I I I feel like typical, typical. But I mean, that's great. I, like I'm glad that uh, the leaderboard needs to exist. We need to have it. I mean, I would like a very similar system to League of Legends personally, where like you have yeah. you have your rank, you can see your rank board and like points or however you want. To, like, yeah. you know, I know the blind matchmaking is a Counter Strike thing for sure, where you like you know your rank, but you don't know how close you are to promoting up, promoting down, and how your performance affects that. Um, but I, I I think a League of Legends style leaderboard would actually be somewhat helpful here. Um, and and you because I think. The, it it goes without saying sometimes, but I think people maybe may don't think about this. But like, there is sort of like this like dopamine release of seeing your number go higher, right? Like yeah. or or go lower, and and like you kind of like it like fuels your brain to want to commit and keep going to something. You feel like you're being rewarded, and that's like really important for the player base. So I think that like 
people will be more engaged with Valorant generally uh, if there is some sort of like rewarding uh, system that's a little bit more transparent than it currently is. So, but top leaderboard should have been in, uh, like top 100 or whatever else. Like this should have been a thing at the very beginning. And I was disappointed that it wasn't. I'm glad that at least for the na time now that they're doing something a little bit smaller. Um, I'm not really sure why they're so protective about doing something bigger, though. I, I haven't quite figured that out. I'm, I'm not sure their argument for, for being so slow. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just happy it's actually here. Uh, yeah. Look at the top 50. Uh, our, our, our old friend, the, the phase captain, the, the legendary phase captain, Jason R, is in the top 40 yard at 39. I'm impressed. Your favorite. Uh, no, I'm actually I'm actually really impressed by that. Like, because <laughs> we we've had our memes of Jason R on the show. You know, legendary face captain Jason R, zero games, zero losses, Hall of Fame face, Hall of Fame undefeated, undefeated face captain Jason R. I'm actually really excited to see him in the top forty. Like, looking at this list, you see a lot of you know familiar names. You see the Dappers, the Crashies, the Kikos. But I think Jason R top forty. Like, I want to see him. There are so many NA orgs just throwing around money, giving teams to whatever. Like, there's so many orgs now in NA Valorant. We have over 20 now. It feels like every other day there's just a new org popping up, uh, a tier one org, you know, starting teams. I want to see Jason R on a team. I want to see him with the keys in his hand. Like, I want to see him play on a real professional team. And I want that juicy phase versus Jason R matchup. It has to happen, Arda. I yes. want to see that. It how, certainly does. How hype would that be? Where we already have the beefs of like TSM and Sentinels yep. and Dignitas, and all those guys are gonna, you know, punch each other in the face when they see each other at the first, you know, Valorant <laughs> land. But I want to see the Jason R phase grudge match, the legendary phase captain Jason R versus his old phase teammates. Like I think Jason R is a really good player, and this shows you that he is a top forty in NA player when it comes to you know rank and I, I think he's quite capable of being like i mean we've talked about on the show like he's not some like random streamer who turned into a pro like he is a former you know pretty good csgo pro in his own right in north america he's had some really good performances and i want to see him on a pro team i want to see him on a pro team uh please please some of these orgs orgs that are dropping you know 300 400k on on rosters give the man some keys Give him the keys to your kingdom. I want to see Jason R on a professional team going against FaZe because that's a storyline that I'm not I, I'm not ready to see die. I want to see that matchup. I want to ask uh, one question about the leaderboards and then we'll move on to some roster updates. The other side of this, Emily, is that someone like Mixwell is not on the leaderboards. Now, whatever the reason is, whether he's not grinding ranked or he's you know practicing in other means, etc., Optically, that's the first thing you're going to notice is a top player in a region not being on the leaderboard for whatever reason that may be. How concerning should that be to somebody looking at that? I mean, I don't think it's super concerning, but I do think it's an argument for having leaderboards like like just put them all all year round, like all the time, all the time so we can see them. Because like I, I think watching someone instead of having like like it's one thing to have a snapshot right like um and this i guess returns to the discussion we were just having but like i want to see that constantly updated so we can see like where did he start is it just that he hasn't been playing like what like you can kind of track reasoning through that um and you see this with league of legends all the time too where it's just it's incredibly easy to track someone's performance and say like oh you know they actually just haven't been playing solo queue 
And is that a problem? Is it not a problem? Do they have another account? Like that kind of thing. Um, I, that, I, I think it's more of a case for <clears throat> what kind of, um, like having a, a leaderboard that updates constantly that is public and everyone can see um, gives so much more context because right now, like you look at that and it's like, it's there, but it's contextless, you know, and until you, unless you start asking around or, or, or like seriously digging into it. Um, so for me, it's more, it's more that than like, uh Oh, Mixwell's already washed. Like, you know, I think that's a, an extreme overreaction. If people are actually saying that I haven't, I haven't seen that, but no, definitely not. I don't think anyone is actually <laughs> oh, saying that, nor do we that. think that G2 is going to be cutting ties with Mixwell, their greatest player and probably most high profile after G2 won tournament after tournament. But there are a lot of roster changes and announcements that have been made definitely since the last time we did a Valorant show, but definitely leading up to First Strike. The first one is the former Bonk players, Tyler, have finally mm. found a home. They have had some success during the Ignition series, and now Guild Esports have made their splash into Valorant and they have signed all five Bonk players. There's a lot to unpack with Guild Esports in general. <laughs> oh, no, I, I love okay. David Beckham. I love it. There's it's David lot, Beckham's Esports team. It's David so, Beckham's Esports team. He created brick by brick, Arda. He created, brick, yes, he I, created. When him. I saw brick. that announcement, I was like, that's so random. <laughs> Can we, can we look at Jacob's face for just a second? I think Brick by brick, before, David Beckham created Guild Esports with his bare hands. Dollar David by dollar, Beckham. right? Million David by million. loves yeah. Esports okay. so much. Okay, so I thought I saw... I'm dying. I thought I saw some of the worst business plans I've ever seen by reading Overwatch League decks. I was mistaken. <laughs> I can't breathe. I just... <laughs> David Beckham, Bill, Guild Esports, Brick by Brick. I mean, David Beckham okay. comes out like a freaking like <laughs> bandit, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and if they pay him a fraction of it, he's a bandit. But yeah, God, God bless, God bless. Jay, I do want to get your thoughts, Jacob, on Guild as a whole. But before we do that, Tyler, I want to just give some love here to the Bonk players because they've yeah. been grinding, right? Yeah. And they finally at least got some stability. Oh yeah, I mean it's awesome. I mean, obviously, we've seen that like, Guild Esports are are ready to uh, some burn some money. Like they're ready to spend money, and I'm happy that these you know bong players, you know, for the next year or two, you know, Guild Esports can sustain themselves. Are going to get paid really well because we've shown that Guild Esports are out there ready to pay some dollar. And overall, I mean the the the, the trailer, the 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 uh, the intro video is one of the best in esports history. So congratulations on that! Like that was brilliant. Like again, this is a this is a team of a lot of money. They've shown they have a lot of money, and they they spent it on a very good roster in European Valorant. You know, uh, they did a really good hype video. I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, obviously, we can meme them about you know David Beckham brick by brick, paying him a ludicrous <laughs> amount of money to be the 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 face of the organization and kind of care about these players but i'm happy for them uh in a time of a global pandemic where we're seeing few european orgs really invest highly in valorant uh, I'm, I'm glad there is one org that's willing to spend money in the long term is guild esports going to be the next fnac or g2 i'll let jacob handle that discussion but for <laughs> right now the yasin and these guys are getting paid probably a lot of money you're getting a good living by playing valorant and guild esports are going to fund that so 
kudos to every side. I'm thanks, good, thank you, Guild Esports. I don't know about you long term, but for the short term, you are getting a really good team, a team that can compete. And I think with the more money given to these players, these some of these players are very young. I think there is a chance that they could become, you know, the true rival to G2 Esports in the uh, first strike tournament coming up. Jacob, well, what is it? Go ahead, Emily. Sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna interject because this has nothing to do with the the actual like guild esports thing, which I know Jacob can talk about. But like one of the things we'd always or I had always complained about with Europe is that we had these teams that would form themselves, and obviously Bonk went through several roster changes, so that's not to say they didn't swap out players or anything. But we had these these teams that would come up, and there'd be like you know an all an all Swedish team. Um, they were like, we want to play together, we want to play together, and they're like, no, you know, two of you are going to FPI or, you know, like we had any major org that was willing to enter the European scene was like, we want to pick apart these rosters outside of kind of TL and, and Fish123. So um, I'm just happy that we have a, an esports org that's willing to come in and just be like, OK, we're picking you up as a as a unit. Um, I, I appreciate seeing that, uh, despite the fact that, again, they did go through like a few roster changes leading up into this. On a scale of 1 to 10, Jacob, how long-term viable is Guild <laughs> Esports, in your opinion? As an org? <laughs> Zero. Uh, um, Ooh, okay. Let's just... Let's All just right, go so, right so, so, throughout this entire conversation this, yeah. has just gone places. It's this is a funny. different type so, of wolf bomb okay, from okay, Jacob Wolf. Okay, okay. here's why. So, I don't know British exchange laws well enough to comment on what they did but i can tell you that they definitely deceived a majority of the public with intention and the reason i say that is because no one knew about this david beckham affirmation until after they raised 53.5 million dollars in an ipo from the general public in in the united kingdom right like that is an insane amount of money like, Re like, Wrecked Global, who owns Rogue and the Royal Ravens, right, and also has a decent footprint in England, just raised $35 million from from private investors. These mm -hmm. This team is out there raising more money than very well-established organizations in a very similar space. And will probably get less return than the London Royal Ravens altogether, mm -hmm. right? Like, it is insane to me and like props to esports uh the esports observer for disclosing that information finding that information about how their david beckham arrangement and for those unfamiliar uh he invested essentially the equivalent of seven hundred and nineteen thousand dollars, i believe um and will be making a return over the next five years of 20 million dollars to uh, basic basically be a brand ambassador for this team that's can the, i interject that's the one thing about that what the 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 sponsorship was first right like they approached david beckham with the 20 million offer okay, and so, then the investment came right so just to as be clear i understand they've made this pitch to several high profile british celebrities okay athlete musician etc david beckham was the one that took that offer and so the return, like the 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 return offer, like the you invest in us, and this is how much you'll get in return. Right, all because, on the table. Okay. Yes, yes. And like he's guaranteed like half of it. That's apparently in an escrow. That's the reporting from the Sports Observer. Um, and so yeah, he like that. This is insane. Like he he makes an investment of seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars and gets a return of twenty million over five years. Hell yeah, he wins. Like I get your money, <laughs> money. Jesus. Good job. Um, but I do like think winning that the this World has, Cup, right? 
I think this does have really terrible, <laughs> terrible. I think this has really terrible implications to our industry. We have not seen other than Rick Fox, and that's a unique situation with a lot of hair uh, to it. But like, we've not seen athletes' popularity really convert into anything meaningful in esports. Honestly, like, uh, no, no tier one athlete who's invested in esports have really made a huge difference other than appearing in announcement videos like Shaq and Marshawn Lynch have done for Energy. That's about all that that I can imagine or all that I remember. Um, and this is not like a first time experiment. Like, you know, I, I think that truthfully think that most esports fans could give a rat's ass about, about athletes and what, what they think about our space. Um, and I don't think that that's going to change with this. I think having access to David Beckham is obviously like goes without saying. He's one of the most, uh, famous sure, soccer players course. in the world. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I don't see this working out. I will be curious to see like, what else they do with that money, right? Like it, it is a long yeah. runway, but if he's owed twenty million of it and they don't raise again, like that's uh, it's gonna be pretty we, difficult. We we will definitely be covering that particular side of the business end uh, at ESPN.com/esports, also on our YouTube channel. But let's speed run through the roster updates as well. NRG have entered Valorant. Speaking of an Ooh. organization doing things right, by the way, and getting success, NRG have made their splash with Valorant. They have announced four names so far. Kohler is one of them. EU is one of them as well as well as Daps. Uh, who will be their fifth? I wonder. And what do we make of this roster, Tyler? Why don't we start with you on this one? I think I think everyone's looking at Ishu being like, "Come on, buddy, come on, <laughs> come on, buddy!" Like, be the. Well, they did say team. he would be a content creator, yeah. mm -hmm. so I'm I mean, kind of like, he's good enough to be a pro. Everyone knows he's yeah, good he enough is. to be a pro. Like, if he wants to become a pro tomorrow, Energy becomes one of the most popular. They probably become the most popular team in NA. Like, Ishu has such a big fan base, and Valorant's been a big part of his growth. Obviously, he said he wants to be a content creator. He wants to be a streamer. He doesn't want to go into that pro scene again after what happened in Apex Legends. How you know how flimsy an esports scene can be, especially in its early stages. He saw what he what happened when he invested all his time into the Apex Legends, and that didn't give him what he wanted. Now he's a 10k Andy on on Twitch, stream whatever he wants. So I can see why he doesn't want to put his entire being into the Valorant pro scene, but. Man, it, it's the play, right? That's the play you want. You want Som, you want Daps, you want Asu. You want Asu to be that guy. You want him to be the Kiko. You want him to be, you know, the tens. You want him to be the center of a team and how exciting that would be. And, and the face of one of the biggest faces in Valorant to be leading one of the biggest organizations in North America right now in esports with energy would be awesome. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Asu might down the road if, if Riot shows that they are going to make Valorant be a League of Legends level type esport where there are world championships, where there are MSIs, where there is an ecosystem and there is, you know, big salaries to be made. I can then see issue going like, okay, this is an Apex Legends. I'm ready to go all in on uh, Valorant. Then I can see him switching over. But for right now, it, it's too risky, right? Like he's making so much money as a content creator. It's a lot easier. It's a, it's a lot less stressful especially when there's roster changes every other week in Valorant. No one knows who are the best players outside of a very mm -hmm. select few. Outside of Tens, uh, you know, Tens, Corey, uh, you know, Wardell. Like, there, there's very few players that you can, like, kind of be assured of that are going to be around in a year or two. So, mm -hmm. for Asu, I want him to be that, that fifth player. I want him to be the fifth man. I want him to be the centerpiece of energy. It makes total sense in the fan in the, in the mind of a fan of how good he is on these duels how good he is at the game in general alas though i do think the fifth player will be someone 
on you know an amateur team right now a tier two team maybe a you know a player that is in that top 100 leaderboard that was shown that hasn't been picked up yet by a major organization so i want ace though give me asu give me the the, the most spicy option because more spicy players more more big names in the na valorant scene just makes the scene more exciting but it's not going to happen more than like Moving along on the uh, different rosters, and, and speaking of a name that you could definitely see around for years to come, that would be Hiko as well. And he's brought his CS buddies along with him to 100T. We got a 2.0 version with Dicey and Asuna, our re investigative reporter from the chat from many shows ago. He's number three on the leaderboards, yeah. by the way, Emily. But what do you make of 100T 2.0? Um, It's an interesting lineup. I think the addition of... Asuna and Dicey is particularly interesting just because of their like I know a lot of people were were super mad at IMT when um when it was announced that they were uh after performing so well previously that they were restructuring their roster basically selling off these players um but I, I actually like more so than <laughs> obviously everyone's Everyone already was looking at Nitro. That was like the most high. It seems like years ago that this happened, by the way. That was the most high, high profile signing the 100T did um, all the way back in August. And then obviously Steel is another huge one. But the two players I'm most interested in actually are, are Asna and Dicey because they performed so well for IMT. And um, I'm really curious to see how they fit on this lineup where we've seen... Um, uh, I'll probably keep repeating this, especially when we talk about the the recent uh, tournament and prepping for first strike. But like we've seen teams uh, kind of struggle to divorce themselves from we're playing CSGO to we're playing this different game and it's called Valorant. Yep. Um, and this is a cool mixture of of players to try to make that transition. Um, so I'm hoping I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, uh obviously this is the roster that um Hiko and Nitro said that they were going to have a, a pretty big hand, especially Hiko and in, in organizing because previously um they they kind of signed Team High Ground and that didn't work out so well. So I hope Asuna and Dicey can do really awesome things for this lineup because they they are honestly the two players that I'm most excited seeing um with some of these more veteran uh like really, really high profile uh, former CS players. Moving along, we got Dignitas dropping Poised and Shanks. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting one because you had Poised on the team, right? And then Shanks comes in on a trial, they're brothers, and then they both get released. So... I'm not insinuating anything here. Maybe it might, might be performance based. Maybe one was a little bit less sort of uh, up to snuff than the other. But like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. I, I don't know how to feel about this. You still got Depp, Psalm, and Superman on the team. So but now you're looking for two, Jacob. I don't want to make any allegations here, but we have something talk to talk about later in the show. Regarding the Mountain Dew League and Counter-Strike, mm -hmm. how some of those players uh, may be under investigation mm -hmm. uh, by the Esports Integrity Commission. And, uh, yeah, 
Uh, I'm just saying, these two guys were uh, Mountain Dew League players not all that long ago, so I don't know if they're guilty or innocent, but I would not be surprised if they're being being looked into. You you believe perhaps there's other teams maybe that made changes, maybe Envy, for example, that might have done the same thing, perhaps? Is that what what we're Uh, reading between the lines here? I think there are a lot of people who made some backhand money in Counter-Strike, who mm. then took, hopped on the Valorant boat and uh, hoped that they would never be found out. And unfortunately, mm. that's, uh, that's not how this works. When you are when you make those choices in the second biggest game in the world, people are going to find out what you did. So I, I'm not saying the Poyser Shanks did anything, but I certainly would not be surprised, knowing what I know, if they were being investigated by the ESIC. So before we move on from Dignitas, then, what do you think their approach is? Are they going to look at the best available free agents? Are they going to wait for the leaderboards? How do you think they proceed? Because the clock's ticking. First strike's around the corner. I think they'll go... I mean, I could see them doing like something on a trial basis, but I, I also don't think that Dignitas is a financial hard hitter in, in eSport right now. Like I think they, they're going to go moderate spend. Like They're not going to swing for the fences with, with big names. So... Uh... Yeah, I, I, that those set of players who like are around the scene and people know that they're good and they deserve a shot. That that's the type of person I I think gets picked up on a team like Dick. Moving along, why don't we continue on our list here? Man, there are so many teams that have made changes. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like it's, we need a weekly show again, right? Like, yeah, it seems <laughs> like it's been five years. Like I was thinking about, <sighs> and I was like. Wow, that Nitro signing seems so long ago. Yeah, that was August. So no relevant tournaments since then. So it's not like we've yeah. missed any tournament like, tournament yeah. wise. Fair enough. Fair enough. T1 moves Ska back to the main Ooh. roster. So yeah. T1 is a spicy one because we've seen a lot of changes there. Yep. So you got Brax, Easy Case, Cadoodle, Dazed. Uh, you got Spider, Spider as well joined on uh, October That's 14th. Awesome. Yeah. So what do we make of this roster? How about it? Well, is this, a, them, is this right? a winning roster? Yeah. Yeah, we well, did. I mean, but what we, do you we saw them this past weekend. I think they looked. Uh, kind of slow um but <clears throat> that's not and that's not like a oh my gosh this team is already done it's just like this is the first time they're playing together you know um i'm happy for for those who don't know who spider is um it's Sia player from overwatch um again we know that he can he can click heads i think <laughs> the more interesting thing will be whether again whether the <laughs> the transition goes smoothly especially on this team because this is a kind of a weird team to insert him on because it's so CS focused, you know? Yeah. Um, and and you can kind of see it in the way, and, and again, like, I don't want to draw too much from the Renegades Invitational because it, it wasn't like a major tournament. We had a ton of the top teams that were missing, right? But um, it it didn't seem, it, it kind of seemed like they were like, okay, set up here, and do your and do your thing and we're kind of gonna we're gonna play really slow we're gonna play kind of reactive and it didn't look <clears throat> super great um but again that's that's their first tournament um so i'm i'm really curious to see how he does here because he never really found a home like he was someone who's like super hyped up from his performance over in south korea came to overwatch league that never really came to fruition or translated into like actual wins for the teams he was on when he was starting um specifically florida so uh you know i i want to see him do well in another game because i think he's a good kid um his his english is actually pretty good like i did an entire interview with him in english once so i don't think that will that shouldn't be a problem although communication is probably still going to be an issue initially um 
but yeah, I mean, they they looked kind of slow in my opinion. I don't know if anyone else agrees with that, but they, it really seemed like they were kind of just like, okay, do your thing here, and we're gonna set up, and then. Wasn't that no. T1's challenge uh, uh, always though? Like yeah, always a big slow. concern with them yeah, was that they were that's slow. Been, that's uh, been the I, I think this is. A, I think they're much improved though. I think just Lee and Scott on Jet, he he looked revitalized. Uh, obviously, I mean, look at the NA leaderboards. He's in the top ten. He looks really good on that jet. He looks like a when he was playing the when he was playing the Sage operator and he was playing the Sova operator. The Sova operator was better, but I always felt like he looked kind of I don't want to say wash. I think he looked unenthused. He looked very uh, stoic. Wasn't making the big plays. He had a few good rounds, but he wasn't that. He wasn't the Scott that you were hoping for. You weren't. You were looking for the world champion Scott. And he looked a lot better and more confident. The confidence was there on the jet. I think with time, Days shot calling. Uh, Days didn't have an absolutely amazing first run for T1. But I think his main goal is to get this team better equipped when it comes to shot calling coordination. And also, uh, Spider is the real deal. His aim is nutty. He had so many long-range sheriff kills. Like This guy's aim is up there, probably the, some of the best in Valorant today. So the pieces are there. I, like we, we, we talked about before with T1 where there was a lot of pieces on the board, a lot of good pieces, but did, they didn't make sense together. I think these five players actually fit the well together. It's just now, you know, getting the marination, <laughs> getting the timing, right, well, getting the break, we're you know, get these players to wrap the each end of the spectrum and to kind of get them uh, set up better for more success, right? Yes, they did play slow. There was a lot of retakes where they kind of gave up, where they didn't really fight 2v. Like when they had 2v3, they would kind of just be like, okay, you have it, we're going to we're gonna back off. Uh, I think that comes with time. More coordination, obviously. You know, with side player, spider now coming to Overwatch Not the most practice coming in. Very similar to the Phase Boys when they had their first tournament, where they also looked kind of discoordinated. Where it was a lot more hero ball, where you would have those hero plays by you know Corey by Rockus, but together they didn't look very coordinated. I think T one's very similar. Where I give them a month, give them two months. With this roster, and I think day shot calling and the entire team, we're going to see a lot better play from them because Spider's the real deal. Like just from just watching him play a few matches, his aim is nutty. And when you have players like Skadoodle, a confident Skadoodle, and Brax looking very comfortable on that anchor role on that cipher, uh, it, this team has a lot of legs to them. So not the greatest first run. We'll talk about Renegades tournament in a bit, but for I think this team has the right the right combination to work. I don't know if it's going to result in them being a top three team, especially of how dense uh, the current NA scene is, but there's a chance. When before that teams didn't fit together, there wasn't a leader, there wasn't a shot caller, uh, their schedule looked out of place, didn't have that confidence. Now that Scott is back in that main operator role, has that confidence on that jet, and you have Dave shot calling with a superstar aimer in Spider, there's a chance this team could be great. Yeah, so, I feel like this team plays yeah. too much like the game is Counter-Strike. Um, I think that needs to change. I think it comes with reps, but to your point about pace, uh, Emily, I think that you're correct, and I think that is because they are XCS people in most most instances. Um, yeah, I, I think that like that's the way you play Counter-Strike. You play really slow, you play really tactical and methodic, and I feel like, like I said earlier in the show, Valorant is changing in a way that that is not going to be that play style worked at the very beginning of the game when we saw t1 were really damn good because they just had better aim than everyone else i feel like that will not be the play style as we get to the highest level of our in future years so yeah well what we need to do is force them to play deathmatch on icebox <laughs> over and over again 
Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, near and dear to my heart. Near and dear to my heart. I absolutely love that idea. Not many NACSGO fans are loving what's happening right now, though, to their scene, as it appears that pretty much the NACSGO oh, uh, landscape, Dunzo. Jacob, is pretty much... Yeah, Dunzo. You got any gum? You got any gum? So... Valorant comes in, blaze of fire, NA invests at high rates, Jacob, and then all of a sudden, the best of the best in NACSGO either look elsewhere or join the Valorant train. So how, what, what is the future, if any, of what will happen with a, the tactical FPS scene. Bring Valorant and CS go into the conversation. Predict the future for us on what will happen. Will anything change? Will it only get worse for NACSGO? Will teams like like Tarek's tweet? Will people just look to Europe and just sh ship on over there? What's going to happen? I think it'll get worse if COVID-19 doesn't get resolved in the first two quarters of 2021. Um, Counter-Strike is in a very unique position to your point, what you just said about Tarek, he that that is what's happening. We just saw Furia get announced that they were going to be competing in uh, they were going to be competing in ESL Pro League, but that requires those Brazilian players who have for the past few years lived in North America to fly and live in Europe till the end of that league. We I actually just saw uh, that Flashpoint announced their teams, and mm -hmm. the broadcast is hosted by Monty and Thorin in London, right? Like then they're, they're an LA based company, right? Like it's. It's because Counter-Strike has become predominantly, if you want to have a competition that's more interesting than just Evil Geniuses and Team Liquid and Genji winning everything, then you have to go outside of North America. North American Counter-Strike's been really stale all year because of COVID-19, and it's sort of putting up this like region lock uh, that shouldn't exist. That's part of what's made Counter-Strike so good over the past, you know, what is it, close to eight years now, seven years since Global Offensive came out, what's made it so good the past seven years is the fact that everybody can play everyone and that it happens on a fairly regular basis, at least once a month, sometimes even more than that. And you had the best teams getting together for these majors twice a year. Well, those majors don't exist this year because of COVID-19. And the best teams are European historically. And the best teams in North America, the Evil Geniuses and Team Liquids of the world, weren't getting the opportunity to practice against these people, which is why you see... Players like Nitro and Daps and Som moving out of Counter-Strike and going into Valorant. That is, like, they are burnt out. Like, Nitro told me very directly that he was burned out by what the past six months of his life had looked like before he decided to move to Valorant. And because it's boring. Like, it is boring. It's boring to watch as a fan because these teams aren't playing very good Counter-Strike in North America. They're, like I said, it's incredibly top-heavy among two, two to four teams. Um the best counter-tricks in Europe. And, and now you have organizations like 100 Thieves who have expiring contracts with their counter-strike team, but have made a huge investment in, uh, have made a huge investment in Valorant, uh, in the, the Hiko Steel Nitro squad, um, and are essentially faced with the decision of, do we want to continue to fund this team that cost us a lot of money, the ex-Renegades Australian team that's been living in North America the past few years, um, do we want to continue to fund them only for them to play against mediocre teams and no one to really care about the events because they're so repetitive in North America? Or do we want to invest in this game that's totally new, that has a much more thorough and built out North American scene, that there are new players, that there are new interesting storylines? Like, 
yeah, if you're looking at it from like that perspective, like you have to choose where you want to allocate your budget, Valorant makes a lot more sense right now. I don't think that Valorant is responsible for killing NACSGO. I think that what's happening with uh, the cheating and mat- uh, match fixing scandals that are happening with all, like there were some, some odd 30 plus coaches that got uh, suspended for minimum of six months, even and some even up to like two and a half years by the ESIC for using this like known cheating bug that or spectator bug that's existed in the game for a while to be able to like cheat and help their teams win on in online matches over the past few years and and even in the past eight months since the pandemic broke out um yeah that's awful i think that there are players who like i said earlier some who have transitioned to valorant some who have stayed in counter-strike who did cheat and match fixed in lower levels of counter-strike like the mountain dew league um that that will probably come out soon enough like it's known that there's an investigation going on by the esic um and i think that all of these things kind of brought together are making it where you have organizations go why are we even bothering trying to have a good nacs go team because we're already investing millions of dollars in salaries well why don't we and then we're going to have to pay even more money to go send them to europe and get them visas to be able to live there and and set up housing in countries we don't have infrastructure in like that's an even huger like more big spend whereas you could just go oh well let's just invest in power like let's just allocate that money to Valorant. It can use domestically. We already have infrastructure in North America. When all this ends, we can move them out to our facility in Los Angeles or wherever you're based, right? Like, it, it's way easier. Uh, and and I think that a lot of organizations I've talked to view it as a better use of their money right now. Mm-hmm. That, that's also, North America, though, right? Yeah, yeah. No, Europe. Europe's totally different. Like because Europe, European Counter Strike is still it. Like it's being rocked a little bit by some of this stuff too. Like uh, particularly the match fixing and and cheating scandals, but. But like the top European teams are still really entertaining to watch. They can still play with one another. ESL Pro League still exists. Flashpoint will exist uh, as well. Like there will be leagues that are based in Europe for Counter-Strike. Um, but it really, there has been a really giant wall put up in the Atlantic Ocean uh, because of COVID-19 that prevents prevents Counter-Strike from being what it used to be a, a year ago. I want to speak from, so, so Jacob's the hardcore CSGO reporter fan. I'm more of a casual CSGO fan. I really love watching CSGO, but I'm a guy who watches, I'll watch all the major, I'll watch all the matches of major, but I'll watch the finals of, you know, you know, A-tier tournaments, B-tier tournaments. I'll, I'll come in if there's no big League of Legends or Valorant match on a weekend, and I'll watch the CSGO tournament. Right now, it feels, and, and Jacob, you can kind of talk about this, it feels like every tournament's the same. Every single tournament, it feels like one tournament ends, and the next one begins in Europe, and it's the same format, same teams, yeah. similar prize pool, sim- similar format. And it just seems like it keeps on going and going and going. I, tell, I looked on the CSGO Reddit, and this was a, one of the biggest issues. I think this was like a top thread on the CSGO Reddit is that everything feels like it's Groundhog Day, where it feels like every yeah. tournament ends and then it begins. And the end of the 2020 calendar is packed. There seems to be a tournament every single weekend to the end of the year because it's all these European organizers trying to get in that, you know, that CSGO juice that they missed out on for the, you know, the first majority of the year due to COVID. And I think the biggest reason right now that all these teams are investing in Valorant, especially in North America, is that they believe and they trust Riot more than they trust Valve because there is a chance if COVID doesn't, you know, let up, there's no way that Valve is going to do what Riot did this year of Worlds, where they're going to make a bubble for CSGO teams to participate (laughs) In a you know a you know a twenty team uh, CS:GO Worlds or uh, major bubble, uh, Valve is so, is hands off, and that's you know there's good and bad to being hands off. But if you are a, a, a 
right now in COVID and you have to make, you know, very, you know, cut and dry decisions. You can't just invest in everything. You have to pick and choose your spots. If you're a, you know, if you're a hundred thieves, you're going to invest in Valorant because you can trust in, in Riot to continue pushing on the Valorant esports narrative where look at Dota right now. Dota's literally just, See you next time. We have $40 million for the prize pool, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have a tournament someday. We don't know when. We don't know how. We don't really know what we're going to do next, but peace out, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for the cash. Like, that's Valve. They're very hands-off. They do great work. Their games are amazing. It's Dota and, and Counter-Strike have been one of the, the greatest esports of all time. They've been two of the big three with League of Legends, but as COVID has shown us, there is no big three. It is a big one. It's League of Legends and a giant gap in everyone else. And I think these organizers, uh, these not only tournament organizers, but these teams, 100 Thieves, you know, these big name orgs see this and say, where are we going to invest our money? Are we going to invest our money with Valve, where we have no clue what they're going to do, how much they really are interested in the esports scene? Are they fine just not having, you know, a major for the next two years if it doesn't happen? Are they fine just holding on to this $40 million? of battle pass money for, for the international, whenever they can do it in Sweden, like they're going to invest in riot because they know that riot's going to continue trudging forward, no matter how hard it is. I think oh. one, Emily, one thing I just want to, uh, okay, uh, real quick. Yeah. yeah I just want to say, know. I just want to say on the revenue side of things to, to Tyler's point, like look at stickers. Like I can't yeah. emphasize how important mm. stickers are in yep. Counter-Strike economics, mm -hmm. right? If you're one of the best teams in Counter-Strike, you qualify for a major th for the two or like the twice a year, right? And you get a gun sticker unique to that event and you are a popular team, that makes a ton of money. And you and that is a huge revenue driver for these teams to be able to get a revenue share of that from Valve for using, you know, whatever their logo is, Team Liquid logo, Fnatic logo, whatever else it may be, right? Um, and... As far as I understand, some of those teams in ESL, Pro League, and Flashpoint, and some of these other leagues have gone like, well, since we don't have the majors, can we like get stickers for EPL? Can we get stickers for Flashpoint? Like, can we like try to create that revenue stream for ongoing events? Valve's just like, no, like it's not a major, and and so like these teams are like, okay, well, there goes our couple million bucks that would try to like try to pad our pockets a little bit to make sure that like the millions we're investing every year kind of get made back. We like almost every Counter Strike team runs in the negative. None of them make money. Like, that's already a problem. And then you take away additional revenue, and you're just like, all right, I guess, like, what do we have to work with here? Nothing. So, uh, I, to me, like, yeah, I, to, I think to Tower's point, there is a lot more trust, because, like, Valve has not really done anything. Even Activision Blizzard's done more than Valve to try to alleviate the pandemic, yeah. which is saying a lot, right? Like, the sure overall... Is. They is try. Am point on this? Um, I was just going to say, and Artie, you're going to get mad, because I'm going to kind of do your job for you here. That's but, okay. um... Again, an interesting transition from this discussion is actually going into First Strike and looking at how Riot has kind of set up the competitive season this year. Because one of the things I'm the most curious about um, regarding how Valorant Esports develops is how Riot is going to balance presumably having, and when we talk about First Strike, it is supposed to effectively be... Um, uh, you know, in a in a non-COVID world, we can imagine this would be their season one championship, right? Compare, com kind of comparable to the first year of League of Legends where they had it at DreamHack. Um, and we've seen, despite the fact that a lot of these tournaments have been third party, it's also third party slash Riot and First Strike 
combines the two with how you're looking at who is running qualifiers versus right uh running i believe the the final eight right like the actual first strike uh uh competition for for various regions at least for na it's like bundle eight um because the na details have come out i don't know if any other regions have i've just been going off of that uh so i think it's particularly interesting to see how they've balanced uh valorant and league of legends with the shanghai bubble for worlds and additionally we've just been talking about it how this has been like a really weird lull period for valorant prior to going into this first strike tournament which by the way is going to have a major patch change slash update between the first qualifier and the second qualifier at least based on the na schedule because the first qualifier we're not going to have uh sky or icebox but the second qualifier, I believe we will. So uh, I'm I'm like very, very curious because Riot has always made it clear, abundantly clear that Worlds is their thing. Mm. That's their big event. They want that above everything else. And presumably they'd want to do something similar to the Valorant competitive scene mm. where they have a Worlds tournament. It's It's weird, the timing of this though, because if they're going to be basing this off of years to come, and I'm not saying... I don't trust Riot. I I definitely think that they are obviously putting a lot more effort into this than than Valve, who who is like historically hands off. Um, and there are positives and negatives to that. But um, I'm curious to see where this lands on the calendar for like next year because this year they can kind of get away with this little period because it's the first year and we're, things are still coming out. We're still trying to figure out how competitive is going to be and we can't have a Worlds because it's COVID and, and all this other stuff. So I'm like morbidly curious to see if this sticks at the same time on the calendar next year, immediately following the League of Legends World Championship because that would mean... They're either they either need to do a better job in the in the ramp up time out, and instead of having like low period while Worlds is going on and then ramp up for first strike slash a world championship or whether they'll change it going forward. Again, just something to keep an eye on before we start talking sure. about first strike. We will uh, and we will have a lot more first strike content leading up to the main event as each region will crown its champion leading up to the December 3rd to 6th events, which will be an open tournament format. Of course, hundreds of teams around the world will be able to compete and qualify at different stages in the first strike tournament. And like I said, we're going to be talking about it at length on future episodes of the ESPN Esports Valorant Show and a little bit of a preview here. But before we get there, the last, I guess you can say, major event since we are in a lull period, as we mentioned. We did see some Tier 1 organizations, some teams compete this past weekend. A brand new looking, at least um, a 2.0 version, Immortals, making it all the way to the grand mm -hmm. finals of the Renegade slash Nerd Street Gamers Tournament. And Anbox, one of the new mm -hmm. additions to the NA Valorant scene, capturing the dub here. I do want to mention one thing. Uh, Emily, based on how uh, much you like to pay attention to agent uh, picks and, <laughs> and, and usage, did you ever think we'd get to a point where Sage would have a 0% pick rate and Omen would essentially have a 100% pick rate? Um, I mean, you could kind of see the Sage falling off in terms of how people started playing a lot faster, um, which is it goes back to why I was so super harsh on T1 previously, because um, they they 
you know, didn't show that improvement in this tournament. But again, their roster's new. You know what I think is more interesting is we look at Anbox and we look at how they won and their Viper on split was so cool. Like, I'm so happy to see that people are... And, and obviously, again, she's received a lot of changes since the last time we talked about her. Um, so this is like night and day in terms of when we last talked about how no one was playing Viper, blah, 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 blah. Like, does she have a place, et cetera, et cetera. But so it, it's kind of like weird to compare to the last time I talked about this. But man, that was so cool to see. Like, I, I was so happy because I actually really love, love playing Viper. Um, and, and I was really happy to see her used in such a cool way in a competitive match. And to have Inbox come out and look so well coordinated uh, right off the bat was super, super impressive. And obviously... Again, we didn't have uh, Sentinels or TSM or 100T, uh, NB, Dig. Uh, so so this is, like, not a, a major tournament. But still, uh, it's a, like, massive step in the right direction for Anbox. Uh, their scouting seems to be really good. This team seems to get along really well together. And the Viper was cool, so keep it up. Arda, I think we're bearing the lead here. Okay, I'll what's the lead? I, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. it's been. I feel like it's been like an odyssey since the Valorant shows really started. But I'm gonna make a statement here. I'm gonna stand by. I'm gonna die on this hill, Arda. Are you ready for the lead? Ready. Ninja is a really damn good Valorant player. <laughs> he's really good. Like not memeing. We're not memeing here. We're not. He's not really good in the sense of he's really good as a streamer playing Valorant or like. You know, he's all he, he's giving his best shot. Like, Ninja's actually really good, and his team time in are, are quite like they're actually a real team. Like, they are a real team. They took T1 to the, the death, like, they, they played them even. That was a close game that came down to very minuscule mistakes on both sides. Then they played the Moon Raccoons, who made top four and almost beat. Uh, uh, Ambox and that series again went to overtime and barely lost. They're over. They're, they 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 beat Renegades pretty handily, you know, an actual organization in the one game they won. But this team of Kurt, Morg, Ninja, Danny, like this team is actually really good. And I think it's time we actually like like we've we've memed Ninja a lot. We've memed him a lot on the show. We've we've talked about how he's good enough for a streamer. But the man has put in. Probably more hours than most pros, and he's grinding this game super hard. And as someone who's watched him, you know, each tournament, you know, he's he goes invited as a, like as a streamer, right? He, at the start of hour, he was invited, and his teams were invited because he was ninja, and they wanted that you know extra boost of you know, oh, we have ninja in our tournament, we have the one of the biggest gamers in the world playing in our tournament, and that's why he was invited. Now he's legitimately good enough to be invited to these big tournaments. He's a team where. If you are a team in first strike and you get time in in the first round, if you're a Dignitas or if you're like an Equinox or if you're a FaZe Clan, you might lose that best of three because this time in team is really good, especially Kurt, who is a former T1 Academy player who was excellent in the matches they played in. Ninja's just a really smart player. He, he's a veteran of the game, and he's not the greatest mechanical player in Valorant. But the guy shows he show he has no fear. He doesn't have you know these kind of dips in performance in terms of nerves of some other you know younger players in the scene. And Timon is a really good team, and I think Ninja deserves respect. He's not just a streamer anymore in this Valorant scene. I see him as a real true Valorant 
pro. Sure, he might not go fully pro because he is ninja. He makes tons of money through his streaming, very similar to Asu. But he's a player who could be on one of these, you know, mid-range, top 10, top 15 teams in North America and upset some of the best teams in the world. I honestly believe while watching him play and how much he's improved and the team's improved throughout their iterations that he is he deserves a lot of respect. I think his team deserves a lot of respect because a few things go differently and that team goes 2-0 in the group and who knows what they do in the groups in the bracket stage. They're actually a really good team. And he actually has given up a lot of lucrative opportunity. Yep. I think he was going to do a stream with Mr. Beast. Yeah, he, 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 uh, he turned it down. He turned yeah, down the, like, he the wanted trivia to go competition. Yeah, yeah this so turn like, he he cares, which yeah. you that's what you love to see. That actions speak louder than words. That just proves to you how much he cares about this game. So I hope he succeeds. I'm with you, Tyler. He he could be the face of Valorant if he was on a team that was competitive and he was consistently making playoff appearances and doing really good on a team like that. Man, can you imagine how great that would be for the game? And he for plays the Killjoy. He just plays Killjoy. He doesn't have to carry. He could be. We've <laughs> seen how Jacob feels about some of the you know the anchors of some other top teams. It's not like Ninja in that kind of sense couldn't be like a anchor or a supportive player or you know supporting some top tier carries like he's a really smart player and, I, and seeing the evolution of him in the first few tournaments where he was invited as kind of a you know oh you're ninja you get to come in it doesn't matter how good you are you can be a plot player and we're still going to invite you in to now where he's you know doing really well against some of the best teams in north america and it's impressive and i i, I sure you know tsm sentinels weren't here but they played T1 really closely, and they, they gave the Moon Raccoons, who were the surprise of the tournament, like a run for their money as well. Like, Great name, by really, the way. Moon Raccoons, let's go. I also I think it just shows how we have no clue what Valorant really holds. Like We have no clue who are the good teams. are. We know Sentinels and TSM more than likely are still the number one and number two teams in North America, but there are so many new talents, new names, so many like ups and downs when it comes to the Valorant scene right now in the Western, not just the West, in the entire, you know, global of, of the Valorant esports scene is that on any given day, like any team can be any team outside of a very few select groups. Like Gen G bombed out of this tournament and they are a team that's been together since the beta. They've been together since the very start of the Valorant esports scene. They lost Moon Raccoon. So who knows what we're going to see at first strike. But these open qualifiers with these best of threes where a time in might draw a phase clan in the first round, like, that might be an upset right there. Like, I don't think that the gap is that wide. Even in the Sentinels to a time in, it's not like League of Legends where if you put top esports versus, you know, Dignitas in a, in a best of three, uh, top esports probably wins that 99 times out of 100. Where sure. in this day and age, I don't think the gap is even close as wide. Where, yeah, sure, Sentinels is going to be time in probably 9 out of 10 times, but it's not 99 out of 100. Let's end the show like this. I want everyone to give a thought on first strike as we approach the open qualifiers. October 26th will, will be when NA begins and Europe will kick off on November 9th. And remember, these will be regions across the world that will be vying to crown a regional champion. My quick thought is going to be 
after first strike, we will clamor more than ever for a world championship. And we will look at the Shanghai bubble and everyone is going to compare it. And they're going to say, I wish the bubble happened here too. This is going to level up Valorant Esports just like the Ignition series did. And when all the regional champions are crowned, the first thing everyone's going to say is we want those regional champions under one bubble roof and we want them to compete against each other. And believe me, when it is safe to do so, that's going to be one of the biggest tournaments that you could possibly make in esports. So that's my thought on the first strike uh, tournament that's coming up. But let's go around the horn and give thoughts, whether it's a team to look out for, whether it's predictions, anything we want to say about it. Emily, let's start with you. Uh, so I kind of brought up mine earlier because I'm always paying attention to meta things. I think the the addition of Icebox and Sky is going to be massive. I think whoever um, whoever does well in the in the first tournament and doesn't like uh, in the first qualifier and but like not well enough to to move on has to perform in the second qualifier. I think the the teams that get extra time with the new map and the new agent it's going to make a massive impact on who gets through in this tournament. So I'm really, really curious to see how teams adapt to it. And I am curious to see how the length of time that various teams get. Because, again, it's going to depend on how well you do in the first qualifier. Maybe you couldn't get into the first qualifier, so you can only go into the second. Obviously, this doesn't apply for major teams. But, like, there's a there's a non-zero chance that we see a team that just figures out Icebox and Sky before any other team does and makes like an insane run just based on meta alone. So I'm really curious to see if that happens. And that's what I'm looking for the most uh, in this upcoming event. Jacob. We're ready for a world championship yet in Valorant. I think that we need a little bit more time for the scene to become more stable, particularly internationally outside of North America uh, from an investment perspective. Um, I know that fans will clamor for it, but I think that Valorant is... It's in a really good spot. Like I, I think that uh, it is growing both in player base. I think that Riot is starting to in figure out its identity as a game more and more and really hone in on what they want it to be as a game more than just Counter-Strike Clone 2.0, 2 as I said earlier in the show. Um, and really uh, pushing it forward as an eSport too. I think that think that we would have had a much different year of Valorant if if not for COVID-19, but I think given the circumstances, they've done better than most people in the, in this circumstance. So I, I hats off to them. I, I think that we will... My big prediction here is that we will see some type of big international event, probably I would say summer 2021 uh, would be my guess, because I think people will start being vaccinated for uh, COVID hopefully in April. Wide distribution, I think, has been what I've been here or reading and, and hearing from uh, health experts, but um yeah i hope i hope we get us over 2021 event I, and i think maybe by then the scene will be ready for one but i don't think we're quite ready for for a bubble repeat quite yet tyler clip it and ship it arda immortals will make the first strike tournament with their money ball strategy and it's going to open a lot of eyes to a lot of people in the esports world uh they I think this team has some really smart people behind it with Gunba and Packing 10 from the Los Angeles Valley who showed that their money ball strategy can work there as well. I think this the current scene is so topsy-turvy. We don't know who really are the best players outside of a select few. Uh, Shot Up 
you know, a player that kind of came out of nowhere on that Mortals team looked like a 10th level player in his first event. Uh, there's a lot of just unknown talent, and I think Immortals have been the quickest to find it with Dicey's, uh, Asuna, and now with players like Shot Up and Neptune. Immortals will make the first strike tournament, and I want to see them versus 100 Thieves. Give me that matchup. Give me that sweet, sweet matchup. But Immortals makes first strike. That's my prediction. Give me all the first strike action that will go down starting October 26th in NA. We can't wait. It goes all the way until December 3rd to 6th when the regional champions will be crowned. And important to note as well that this is the first major Riot-produced and focused event. Mm -hmm. So they are the ones that are presenting this to everybody with third parties involved like nerd street gamers that will be producing some of the events as an example so this is going to be very interesting perhaps a shifting of the parabola and an inflection point if you will of valorant esports that remains to be seen but what will remain is this program follow us on twitter espn underscore esports because this is not the last you're going to be seeing of the espn esports valorant show you're going to find out on twitter when the next shows will be so good vibes and acts of kindness everybody thank you very much for watching and congrats ninja on being a valorant world champion soon <laughs> it could happen clip it and ship it right <laughs>